Well, we're going to continue on in the series of righteousness. Last week, we talked about God's plan in creation. I want to start talking about today about God's plan of redemption. So you need to understand that Jesus got everything back and more that Adam gave up. Okay, very important that you understand that. So open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. I want to encourage you to have ears to hear today, to, to declare to yourself, to God, that I have a receptive heart, I have ears to hear, and I'm hungry to receive from the Lord. Because, see, we don't learn the Bible. We don't learn it. You might go to school and learn how to be an accountant or a doctor, or you might learn how to be a heating and air guy, or you, you might learn these different things, but you don't learn the Word of God. You discern it. The Holy Spirit has to reveal and bring light. He has to open it up on the inside so that it could start renewing your mind. And we need to renew our minds so that we can awaken to righteousness. Because God wants you conscious that you are his son. You are his daughter. Jesus was the firstborn. I don't know what number you are. But if Jesus is your Lord, you've been born again. You're a new creation. He was made to bear your sin so that you would be made the very righteousness of God in Christ. And as that revelation grows in you, you will re you'll refuse to receive anything less but that all that God has done for you. And when you walk conscious of the fact that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, and I was made that simply because I believed it and I received it by faith. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I could never attain it. I was made it because of Jesus. When you realize that and you start to be conscious of that in your life, it will, number one, get your eyes off yourself. It'll get rid of self-centeredness and selfishness in your life which literally positions you to receive everything from God and shuts every door to the enemy. Now, he'll still come illegally, but you'll walk and realize that you have authority in the name of Jesus, and you now, because you're submitted to God, will be able to resist the devil, and he will flee from you in terror. It's the reality of the Word of God. So let's look at this today. Hallelujah. 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 You know, the power of God is so present to heal today. As we go along with this, I'm just going to have to see what we do because I'm, I'm going in this direction and I just feel like there's, there's some things that God wants to do today. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... You need to know that Paul was given this revelation by God. We call it the Pauline revelation. And Paul literally defined a Christian as someone who is in Christ. Well, how do you know that you're in Christ? You know if you're in Christ because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. 
When did he dwell in you? When you received him, the Bible says he came to dwell in you forever. Way past this life on this earth, your life in heaven, in eternity, whatever we do, wherever we go, you'll never be alone. He will always be with you. So you and I will always be in Christ. Wow. So that means you're never not in Christ. Now that sounds really simple, doesn't it? Right up until you do something and you choose sin. And then you think, I must not be in Christ anymore. But for that to be true, the Holy Spirit would have to leave you, which he said he never would. So that can't possibly be true. And when you realize that, it'll cause you... See, there's a fact, and we'll see it in the Word if the Lord leads us here today. I believe he will. It says that the grace of God reigns. It has full or superior dominion through righteousness unto eternal life. So how the grace of God will operate in your life. That's the finished work of Christ. That's God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. That's healing, that's provision, that's joy, that's peace, that's deliverance, right? Soundness of mind. All of this stuff, the grace of God, it reigns. It's able to have full and superior dominion in your life through righteousness. That's why God tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God is saying all through the word of God, you need to know you've been made righteous. The reason why we've got so much sinful and unrighteous behavior in the church, which is causing us to live at a lower level than we should, is because we're conscious of sin. We think what we do is who we are, and that is not what the word of God says. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This word creature means a new, original form. There will never be one like you again. There's never been one like you. This word creature means a new species of being. You are a child of Almighty God. Wow. A new creation, a new species an original form. Now it says here, old things have passed away. Well, what passed away when I got saved, when you got saved? The sin nature. That old spirit man that you were, that was dead and separated from God, was literally removed. And a brand new spirit was put in you. You were a new creation. You were made new on the inside. And then the Holy Spirit, he took up residency in your spirit to never leave you again. Never. He's always with you. You're never alone. He's living on the inside. One of the first things he did, what? Romans 5, 5? He shed the love of God abroad in your heart. Your spirit, man, is saturated in the DNA of your spirit. 
it's saturated. Every fiber of who you are is saturated with the agape, unconditional love of God, which enables you to have a righteousness consciousness and enables you the love of God never considers itself. It frees you at your very core of selfishness and self-centeredness. Now you might say, but pastor, I was self-centered this morning. Well, you, because you allowed this sin nature which still dwells in your flesh, you were made new on the inside, right? You allowed it to operate. And that's the only reason why you did sinful and unrighteous behavior. That's it. But boy, when you get a revelation that you're righteous, you'll be able to stand and tell your body what we're going to do. See, what happens as you grow and you awaken to righteousness, your spirit man is growing and developing, which causes your mind to be renewed, which enables you to control your flesh. You no longer ask your body how it feels. You tell your body how it's going to feel. You no longer speak to your mountain. You know, you go up to your mountain and say, hey, listen, you know, I don't like what you're doing in my life. And, and you know, this is just not right. And then you go tell all your friends about your mountain and you just get worried about the mountain because, gosh, what am I going to do? You don't do that anymore. You speak to your mountain. Hey, it is written. You have to move in Jesus' name for it is written. My God always causes me to triumph. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because all things are possible to me because I believe. Right? A new species of being. Old things are passed away. Spiritual death, the sin nature, the self-centered life is passed away. See, this is why the Bible says you've got to awaken to righteousness. You don't develop it. You can't. Righteousness does not develop. You will never be more righteous than the day, the moment that you said, Jesus, I give you my life. I invite you into my heart. You are now my Lord. From that day forward, you were made righteous. You might not understand what that is. That's why you come to church, so that you could be equipped, so that you could learn these things. And the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher here today, will bring revelation and you'll discern it and see it and grasp it in your life. And then the Word of God says, behold, and it always says the word behold. In other words, God's saying, I really want you to see this. All things are become new. You see this word behold all the time when he says, behold, I make all things new. All things become new. New where? New on the inside. When you got saved, you didn't change the way you looked physically. Now your countenance probably changed. But it's time, it's time for the body of Christ to wake up, to be revived, and to be who we are. It's time for us. Remember last week, in the original creation, the first thing God did after he made man, he gave him dominion in the earth. You'll, as you walk in this, you will get just, there's something in you that wants to dominate your circumstances. 
So this is the road to doing that. You were not reformed. You were not improved. You're not the new, improved version. What does that mean? You the old, that it used to be old and lousy? No, no. You were not new and improved. You were not altered. You were made completely new. If you want to see what this new man looks like, you have to look in the mirror. And as you peer into the mirror, which is the Word of God, what's on the inside of you will be pulled by the Holy Spirit on the outside and be shown to everyone. That's how it works. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. What happens is now you have the capacity to see Jesus, to see others, and to see yourselves in true light. Not as you seem, but as you really are. Not as Jesus seems, but as he really is. Not as others seem, because see, others can be kind of mean, but no, you still see people as they really are. As in their true light, this is only, this is only available because of this inner transformation. When you are changed on the inside, now you could see everything on the outside as it really is. Oh, that battle in your life might seem very big. But you need to see what that battle looks like compared to who you are in Christ and who he is in you. Right? We have so many Christians that are living at a low level because they give God a couple minutes of their day. I've got news for you. In a very short period of time, whether the Lord comes back for his church in the rapture or whether you live in this short span of full life and you're standing before him, you will want to walk out his plan for your life. You'll want to do that. You'll want to please him. The only reason why you don't is because you're all about you. And, and how many of you know, I think I'm preaching to the choir, that, that there's no life in that, Amen. right? Verse 18, and all things are of God. So all these new things are of God. One translation says, and this is the work of God. That's very accurate to the Greek. This means that the spiritual things that are changed were changed by God. Isn't that right? All the spiritual things that changed in your life now is of God. This is, salvation is completely a work of God. We just get it. It's a free gift. Isn't that amazing? And all things are of God who has, now here's the thing, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. The God of heaven has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. This word reconciled in the Greek, it literally means to exchange mutually. God the Father gave Jesus and he died on a cross. He bore all of your sin and all of your sin was condemned on that cross. All the sins that you've ever committed or will ever commit the sin nature which was at the core of it, all the weight and judgment of all the curse of the law, all sickness, all disease, you cannot separate. Boy, this is what the Lord's been talking to me about. 
You can't separate it biblically. Forgiveness from healing. You can't separate it. It's the same. Every time you see redemption, you see forgiveness and you see healing. Boy, there's something there. Who has reconciled us? He exchanged mutually. It was a one-for-one spiritual exchange. It cost God the Father the spiritual death of his Son to give you and I life. That's how important you are to God. It literally, this word reconciled means to reestablish and to restore a relationship that has been broken or disrupted. In other words, Jesus took your place and now everything is restored. Notice that you're not in the equation. This is all God. We make all this stuff about us because we're self centered. We get offended, it's hilarious. If you ever get offended at anything that I say or anybody else says, even if it's offensive, realize, wow, I'm in a wrong place. I'm I'm considering myself. If your spouse just really messes up and you get mad, pull the pacifier out of your mouth, let the Holy Spirit change your diaper, do whatever, but grow up, right? And realize, no, 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 no. Nope, I'm unoffendable. I walk in the love of God. You can't offend me. Does that make sense? Now, will you ever have to change your own diaper and do that stuff? Yeah, we do, don't we? But I'm telling you, when you get so full of the word, you won't live there very long. You'll jump into that and go, and jump right back because pride, it brings destruction. And God has made a way. He doesn't want destruction anywhere close to you. It literally means to reestablish a relationship that has been broken or disrupted. Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So you and I are called into the full-time ministry of reconciliation. Now... As the Father sent Jesus to reconcile the world to himself, now Jesus has sent you and I into this world to tell people that there's been a mutual exchange that has happened. That is the voice of the, of, of the gospel. It's amazing when you're not awake to righteousness, you won't share your faith because you don't think you know enough because it's all about you. But what do you got to know? All you got to know is, hey, Jesus came... And he died for your sin so you could know him. That's the gospel. Now we think, well, that's not going to get anybody saved. That's because you're self-centered. Because yeah. it's all about you. That's not powerful enough for you. That's good. You have to go to 12 weeks of evangelism explosion to really... Now, is that wrong? No, not at all. Get equipped. That's great. But it's never going to get any more complicated then Jesus came and took your place and he loves you. The world's not hearing that. That's why we don't have church growth and increase. We have church growth in, you know, we're like nomads. We go from church to church because we need something new so that we can feel good. Let me just move on. Let me just move on. 
He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, there's no works involved in this. It's all by grace through faith. Isn't that good news? Verse 19, to wit, that's a King James way of saying that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do that? By not imputing, this word means not accounting their trespasses unto them. In other words, isn't it amazing that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross for men's sins? All of them. Every person who's now a Christian, every person who will never accept Christ, Jesus died for their sins. Their sins are paid for. And now in the church age, which is almost over, God, a man can come to God. His sin does not separate him from God because God, because of what Jesus did, is not accounting their sins to them. They won't actually be accounted unless a person chooses not to receive the sacrifice because God can't violate their will. And if a person chooses, I don't want Jesus, I'm going to live my own life, they will, now boy, I'll tell you, this is not a, this is not a thing that you should say in church, is what they say. Nonsense. There is a hell. It's a place. It's real. It's south of here. Okay? Wherever you go on the earth, it's south of here because it's in the center of the earth. Right? That's why it's called the bottomless pit. There's no bottom. There's no way, because it's always in the center. Everybody who's ever lived is still alive. They're either on the planet, in the planet, or in heaven. Because man's an eternal being. And a person, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He honors their request to go there. Because they don't receive the sacrifice. Yeah, but listen, I just want to live my own life. I just kind of live in this middle ground area. I want to live my own life. You know, there's not one person that's ever lived or will ever live that will live their own life. You're either, you're either one with God or your mind is blinded and you're living under the control of the enemy. And that's why people go to hell because they're identifying themselves with spiritual death. So isn't this interesting? God was in Christ. Right now, he's not accounting anybody's sins against them. So as a believer, realize that. God's not accounting man's sin against him. Why? Because man's sins have been paid for and hath committed. This word committed means, and God had pl has placed us into the word of re reconciliation. There is within your heart an anointing for you to go tell people that the exchange has been made. Jesus died for your sins and you can know him. I challenge you to start doing that because people that you would never think will, will wake up. The Holy Spirit will wake up their conscience and, and many of them will choose and go, wow, you're right, I need Jesus. I've led people to Christ, it blows my mind. I'm like, wow, how in the world did I ever do that? And the Lord's like, you didn't. I did it. But see, we're his mouth, we're his hands. And we've all been placed, not just called, we've been placed into this ministry of reconciliation. You have word of faith people that have Mont Blanc notepads and, and really nice Bibles and and oh my gosh, not just an iPad, 
but you know, they have a nice iPad cover and everything that Brother Hagin has ever taught and yet they never tell anybody about Jesus, but they're spiritually mature and they know everything that's going on. God, I just need you to tell me what to do with my life. It's right there. I wonder if you start doing that, if you'll start seeing yourself as you really are, and all of a sudden God can finally give you some desires that are about his revealed will for your life. Oh, I hope this is helping you today. The Father was in Christ reestablishing a proper loving relationship that has been broken or disrupted between the world and himself. How did he do that? By not accounting man's trespasses unto them. The Amplified Version says, It was God, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Isn't it amazing that a mass murderer on death row is sitting in that jail cell with favor with God? What? Yeah. And then we have Christians that are walking around thinking, I'm this lowly worm, I'm a piece of dirt, God would never be able to bless me. Even the worst sinner on the planet has favor with God right now. What? Pastor, that's ridiculous. No, no, that's redemption. That's how powerful Jesus, that work was. Jesus didn't, he wasn't hanging on the cross and he didn't go, it is almost finished, and then gave up the ghost. No, no, he said it's finished. That, that, that Greek phrase, it is finished, I got news, when you study that Greek phrase, you could almost say it this way, he is finished. It's not just it. It's finished, he's finished, it's all finished, behold I make all things new. So why don't you invite Jesus into your life? Because he's he's in your life, but open the door, position yourself so that now these blessings could overtake you. So your health can change, your finances can change, things change, you can know him in a new way, overcome sin habits that have beaten you up, that have no authority, no power in your life. Because what that does is it shows forth the glory of God. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration to favor. We are to tell people, listen, favor has been restored. Most of the world thinks, if there is a God, he's mad at me. He's religious. If there's one thing God's not, it's religious. Call me anything. Don't call me religious. Because religion is me trying to be good enough to be accepted. No, I can't do anything to be accepted. He's already accepted me. 
The bad thing about hell is going to be when they stand before God someday at the great white throne judgment, every person who's rejected Christ, hell will be emptied and everybody who's might have made it through the tribulation is all going to be removed and stand before the great white throne judgment. They will face the righteous judge of all the earth. And God is so good, he still says, hey, I'm all-knowing, but can you open the book one more time? Open the book of life and just double-check because maybe their name is in there. Because, see, everybody's name starts out in the book of life. Your name can't be written in it. It's already, it starts out. When you're born, it's, it's written in it. It can only be blotted out. Who blots it out? You do and I do. Aren't, aren't you glad you didn't blot it out? Aren't you glad it's in there? How aren't you glad you won't have to be at the great white throne judgment? Because here's the really bad thing about it. People will know that they're lost and separated from God for eternity and they didn't have to be. That they chose it. That everything that they've done, well, I just don't believe that. Okay. That, then that's your choice. Believing is nothing more than a choice. But guys, we need to awaken to righteousness. God wants you healed. He wants you well. He wants you to be on fire for him, living for him first, so that you could live the God life in this earth. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is one that is empowered and sent. They're empowered and they're sent to deliver a message for another. You and I have been empowered and sent to deliver the message that the exchange has been made. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. In other words, Accept the exchange. And it is to be understood that the message that we carry is a message from Almighty God. Don't ever let that minimize you. Challenge you in 2020 to wake up every day and say, Lord, I'm available. Open up doors for me to love on people, minister to people, invite them to church, lead them to you. Just use me in this. See what happens in your life. It'll change your life forever. You want, you want to find your life? Get lost in that and you'll find every aspect of your life. This is telling us, accept the exchange so that you can walk out of this sin consciousness into a glorious righteousness consciousness. Thinking of yourself, thinking of God, thinking of life from that perspective. Verse 21. For he, talking about God the Father, hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. This is the Greek word hamartia. It means an innocent sin sacrifice. Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin. He was made the sin sacrifice. He, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made a different Greek word. This is the Greek word 
genomai, or genomai would be the best way to say that. G-I-N-O-M-A-I. It means to begin to be, to come into being. It means to come into existence. In other words, in this Greek word, genome, or genomai, let me say that right. In this Greek word, there is no process. It's instant. Jesus was made, he was made to bear your sin as an innocent sin sacrifice so that you would instantly be made the very righteousness of God in him. Talking about Jesus. This is the exchange. Jesus took upon himself the whole burden of sin, shame, guilt, everything. The whole burden of the righteous judgments of God against sin. And Jesus, who knew no sin of his own, was made to be sin, so that we, who knew no righteousness of our own, could be actually made the very righteousness of God in him. See, this happens the moment you are born again. In other words, just like I said before, accept the exchange. Have you accepted the exchange? Then you're empowered to walk out of a sin consciousness and empowered to walk in a righteousness consciousness. See, but you got to accept the fact that there's no works. You can't work for this. We receive this by grace through faith. You're going to have to throw out a works mentality. You're going to have to get rid of it to walk free from a sin consciousness. Now, am I saying... Does that mean we don't do works? Oh, no, 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 we do. We're not saved by works, but now that we're saved, works are a result. But what do we work? Do we work for his favor? No, 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 we already have it. We work out our own salvation. For it is he that works in us. He energizes me not only to want to do his will, but to do his will. Isn't that amazing? Righteousness is not a covering, it's a position you have. It's not a robe that you take off. In other words, it's your very nature. Romans 5, 17 says, and you could turn over there if you want, Romans 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Because of Adam's sin, death reigned in the earth. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift, notice it's a gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. This settles it right here. God wants you to reign in life. Reign in life means sickness and disease is not taxing your body. Reigning in life means poverty and lack is not in your life anymore. It means that you walk in peace in the midst of a storm so that you can stand up and speak to the storm and it's still. Not speak to God about the storm. No, you speak to the storm about your God. You use the name of Jesus to get things out of your life. This is so important. Without righteousness, you and I cannot rule in life. But we've been made it. So you already are a ruler and have dominion in life. So walk it out. What needs to change in your life? I bet I could go right down the row. Every one of us know exactly what needs to change in our life to come up 
for our life to come up into what God would have for us. We know it. We know it. I must receive that I've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ. i got to receive this. Through righteousness, you and I are to rule over lack, bondage, sickness, fear, anxiety, depression. We're to rule and reign over all of this stuff. Satan's plan is to attack you when you do something that does not line up with righteousness. He will tell you that you have no right to, and then you could fill in the blank, to be healed, to have a good life. You have no right. That's just not true. If you continue believing you are righteous, then it will cause you to rule over wrong behavior so that you don't do it again. That's what God, God wants you to reign in your life. One thing holding more Christians back and in bondage is a lack of knowledge of righteousness. This is foundational, and this is not taught. And a nice little internet story and a couple good jokes is not going to help you reign in life. Righteousness is the key word to the revelation of all the writings of the Apostle Paul. All of, all of the stuff that he received from Jesus Righteousness is the foundational piece. You receive the gift of righteousness when you got saved. So let's keep going in Romans 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By Adam's disobedience, we were all born into sin. So by the obedience of one, Jesus, many shall be made righteous. How many of you say that I'm one of those? So isn't that good news? Man, I'm telling you, you should be, you should be like, yeah, yeah, I am righteous. Satan, get your hands out of my, off my life. This is, this is not, see, people, this is not some little thing we do between 10 and noon on Sunday. We don't have time clocks out there. You know, they got this church software that where people check in so that you could really know who's in church and who's not. What kind of life is that? Man, I'll tell you, if I started considering that, I'd get my eyes off Jesus real fast. No, no, no. Guess who, guess who is being ministered here today? Those who have ears to hear. And starting with me, right? The only difference between you and me is I'm under greater judgment because of being a teacher. But that's okay. Because guess what? I'm righteous. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, nothing's happening anyway. But I always let him flow. Can't you feel the flow? I could feel it. I, it's, almost, it's hard for me not to be weeping right now. There's like a healing anointing flowing through my body right now. Oh my gosh, I bet it's flowing in this place right now. So wonderful. I've probably got four or five words since I've been preaching. There's so many gifts of the Spirit. When I preach, there's just so much going on. It's hilarious. I, it's almost like when I preach, I could feel my father's hand going, come here, little one. And he grabs my head and he's like, okay, I want you to just focus down on the inside of you. And I'll lead you. It's, the flow with him is wonderful. He's real. 
faith is real, righteousness is real, you have really been redeemed from the curse of the law. You're free today. I love it. It says here, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, now look at verse 20, the law entered that the offense might abound. In other words, God gave the Old Testament people the law. He gave it to them not so that they would be perfect because the law couldn't make them perfect. The law was literally to lead them to Christ. The law was to show them in their own strength they could never keep it. We could never be holy enough to be accepted by God. The law was to show them and prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah who now would come and die for the sins of all of us and we'd go, yeah, praise God, right? The law entered that the offense might abound. It showed us we were sinners. It showed us we were, well, this is what it showed us. It showed us, see, God wouldn't just show you that you're a sinner. This is God. He shows a person that they're a sinner so that they could be saved from it. See, redemption, he shows them. He showed people that the offense would abound. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. And guess what? We have him. But where sin abounded, look at this, grace did much more abound. The grace of God is much greater than the power of sin. What Jesus did can't even be compared to what Adam did. Right? It said, said, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Wow. What you have been favored with can only rule as long as you believe and speak I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say that again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time the enemy attacks you, say, no, I'm the righteousness of God and I'm in Christ. You take your hands off me, you take your hands off my life, you take your hands off my finances, right? Body, you come in line with that, you be healed in Jesus' name. This is how we live. This makes no sense to religious people because they're still trying to figure out things naturally. They're trying to learn what the Bible says based on circumstances, which really stinks because the whole world's upside down. We've been called to be light so that it knows it's upside down so that it can be turned right side up. Right? Seeing's not believing. Believing is seeing. Right? You want to be first? You got to be last. You want to live? You got to die. You want to increase? You got to sow. If you'll notice, what does your flesh want to do? I don't want to sow. I want to keep. Well, you can't increase that way. I want to be first. Right? All these things. 
W will it ever stop? No. Nope. Not as long as you're in this body. But guess what? You won't be in this body long. Death for us is not ceasing to exist. It's just separation. Boy, I can't wait to be separated from this thing. Right? Now, that doesn't mean I'm leaving early. I'm not going to leave a second early. Healing is in you. Healing cannot rule over sickness. Now, this is an example. Healing is in you. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, well, if you're saved, he dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, what? In the same way that he quickened Jesus' dead body to bring him out of the grave, he's going to quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. The healing power of God, literally, if you'll believe it, will come out of your spirit and amend your body. With the same Kratos power. Isn't that amazing? Healing power. His power was present to heal. If it was, it is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Healing cannot rule over sickness in your body unless you believe and speak I am the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. In other words, I have a right to be healed. I have a right to prosper. I have a right to not go backwards this year. To move forward. Do you believe that? We, have, we gotta, boy, I got so many notes. Go to, go to Exodus 15. You gotta go to Exodus 15, verse 26. Man, this scripture just went off in me. Exodus 15, 26. This is what God said. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Now we know Dr. Young, a Hebrew scholar, says there's two verb tenses. One's permissive, one's causative. This was translated causative, like God was doing it. But it's really in the permissive tense. It should say, I will allow none of these diseases upon you which I've allowed upon the Egyptians if you'll keep my word. That's Old Testament. Jesus already died for your sicknesses now. Healing is already yours. But what I want you to see, this is the first time he revealed himself to the children of Israel after they left Egypt. The first time he did it, he revealed himself this way, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am. That it's, it's literally the Hebrew phrase, I am Jehovah Rapha. Look at this. New American Standard Bible. For I, the Lord, am am your healer now young's literal translation it says look at this for i 
Jehovah am healing you. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken. That word quicken means he'll heal, he'll restore, he'll make whole. Isn't that amazing? So look at this in the Old Testament. Think of this this way. This is what God has for us. There is no separation between forgiveness or healing. Oh, people, if, if somebody came up here to receive Christ and I prayed for them and said, okay, Lord, man, if it's your will, please forgive them. You guys would get up and go, Pastor Tony just went off the deep end. We got to go to another church. But if you say, you know, come up here. We're going to see if it's God's will to heal you. Most of the body of Christ would be like, yeah, that's true. But in Scripture, you can't separate it. Every time you see redemption, and we're talking about redemption, forgiveness and healing are always together. Look at Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. Jeremiah 8, 22. Hallelujah. I believe we need to lay hands on people today that believe this. There's a healing anointing. Hallelujah. It says here, Look at Jeremiah 8, 22. Now, this is Old Testament. Look at this. Is there no balm in Gilead? The word balm, it literally means healing ointment. God is inspiring Jeremiah to say, is there no healing ointment in Gilead? In other words, no, there is. Is there no physician there? In other words, no, 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 there is a physician there. Why then is not your the health of the daughter of my people recovered. Ooh. That reveals a principle here that you got to know. Just because there's a healer and just because there's healing anointing doesn't mean everybody gets healed. Why? God can't violate your will. You have to believe him. This is huge. Run over to Jeremiah 17, verse 14, I believe it is. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14. Look at the wording of this. Jeremiah the prophet says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Isn't that amazing? Why does it say that that way? Heal me, O Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, and I'll be saved. The reason why, there's a connection. For thou art my praise. There's a connection between... How many of you believe that Jesus forgave you of your sins? In the same way, he healed you. As a New Testament believer, you've already... He's already done it. You were healed 2,000 years ago. So now you can get that out of your body. The Lord, the power of God is present to heal. Go over to Psalm 103. I just got to get this out or I'm going to explode. But this is for the purpose... Of birthing faith. Look at this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all. Notice there's more than one. Don't forget all of his benefits. Plural. More than one benefit. What are, what are, what are some of them? Who forgives all of your iniquities? Look at the next one. Who heals all of your diseases? 
Forgiveness and healing. You always see it. Forgiveness, healing. Isn't that good news? Everything. What does all mean, right? Everything included. Nothing excluded. All, in other words, this is deep. It means all. Right? This, this is God's word. So let's look at the forgiveness aspect. We're right here. Go to Psalm 86.5. 86.5. Look at this. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. The Bible says about Jesus, and he had mercy on the multitude and healed all of their sick. He's willing to forgive, and he's plenteous in, in mercy. In other words, he's willing to forgive, and he's willing to heal. This, this demonic teaching that God heals some and not others, it violates the very character of God who is no respecter of persons. This is a doctrine of a demon. It's straight from the pit of hell. It literally pulls you out of the ability to have faith. Because how do you know it, that it's God's will to heal you unless it's God's will to heal everybody, which is what he always says. So let's look at the great redemptive chapter. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 1. It says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Every theologian that's worth anything says that this is talking about Jesus and his redemptive act. For he, this is talking about Jesus, shall grow up before him, God, as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not look at this surely he hath borne our griefs this word griefs is the hebrew word koli i think it's like 60 some times in the in the old testament it is translated every time as diseases. Surely he has borne our diseases and carried our sorrows. The Greek word macabre. Every other time in the Old Testament, it's always translated pains. It reads, surely he has borne our sicknesses. Jesus bore it and carried our pains. Sickness and pain has no legal right in your, in your life. Isn't that awesome? Look at this. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Oh, now we know. Where was he stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted? On the cross. He took your place. In my place. But he was wounded. Look Now look at the way it changes. Same thought. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's forgiveness. Right? The chastisement 
or the, the restraint of our, of our peace was put on him. Everything that could keep the peace of God from coming to you was put on him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Forgiveness, we're forgiven and we're healed. Same. Now I love the Holy Spirit because in Matthew 8, 17, he gives us the Holy Spirit's commentary on Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And in Matthew 8, 17, I'll just read it to you for time's sake. Is faith being birthed? I'm telling you, if you're sitting there and you got sickness in your body and you want it out of your body, healing is here for you today. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, 17, it says, it's, or, or we'll start in verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. In the Greek literal meaning, it, it literally means that the fulfilling could begin. I love that. It's still going today. Which was spoken by Isaiah. It says Isaiah. That's the Greek rendering of the name Isaiah. Spoken by the prophet, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Our infirmities, that Greek word means disease, weakness, feebleness. Jesus bore it himself. Go to Galatians 3, 13. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, we're giving you a few more. These scriptures are forever settled in heaven. Look at how it worked. This is, how, this is what we're talking about. Verse 13. Christ has re, hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangs on a tree. So literally, when you look at this, the curse of the law includes, in Deuteronomy 28.61, it includes all sickness, all disease. Christ redeemed you. He bore it where? On the cross, so you don't have to bear it. So now, let's go to Luke chapter 5, because I want you to see something. Are you ready to shout? Luke chapter 5. We're going to shout today. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I love this story. We've read it before. It's about the man born by four. They tore up the roof of the house to get this guy in there. But Jesus said something that you need to hear this morning. Wow, this is what... There's been something in me all week, and this is what it is. I love this when the Lord does that. It says here, verse 17, well, actually... I'll start in verse 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. Today you've come to hear and now to be healed by him of their infirmities. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So this whole house was full of religious leaders, doctors of the law. They were all sitting there listening to Jesus. And look at what it says 
And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, if you look at the King James Version, the word present is not in it. And the literal, it, it just added, and it does a great job to add for us to understand the meaning. But it says, and the power of the Lord was to heal them. In other words, these doctors of the law, these Pharisees, these scribes, there was sickness in their body. And although they might not have had the right motive to be there, the power was still present because God's a healer. And behold, men brought in a man, or brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, he was paralyzed. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way, what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, so the whole house was filled with these guys. They went upon the housetop. See, faith always finds a way. And let him down through the tiling with his couch. In other words, they broke up the roof, messed up all these religious leaders' hair, got dust all over their holy garments with this couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And when he said that, good feeling gone. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, so see, they were saying this within themselves. Have you ever, I mean, it's fun when you're preaching and you could see somebody saying things within themselves, right? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, said unto them, what reason you in your heart? What are you guys reasoning in your heart? And look, this is what I want you to see. Weather is easier to say. Notice, he didn't say, weather is harder to say. He says, what's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven? Or rise up and walk? He didn't say what's harder. We think healing's so hard. Forgiveness, man, you pray to be forgiven, and you're like, yep, I'm forgiven. No problem. You have no problem. The reason why, for the last 300 years, we preach forgiveness. But healing, oh, that's hard. Not to Jesus. Jesus says, what's easier? To say, your sins be forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? In other words, they're both easy. Have you ever been forgiven of sin? That's how easy it is to get healed. It's the same. It's the same. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that thereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. Now we give all these religious guys a hard time, but look at this next verse. And they were all amazed and they glorified God. So even these religious leaders 
glorified God. They were all amazed. Now the sad thing is, they never received it. We have no record of them receiving healing for themselves, even though the power of God was present to heal them that day. We have seen, and they said, we have seen a strange thing today. What things soever you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. God, he is our righteousness. He made you righteous. Healing is the children's bread. It's already done. It's a matter, you must believe that you take it and you'll have it.